Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Live from Las Vegas. Sports talk. Hot takes. And all of the bangers. Lindsey Brown and Adrian Hernandez. The Playmakers. A Friday edition of the Playmakers. And guess what, guys? You're going to be able to tell. Welcome. We made it all the way through the week. Congratulations to everyone. We are so happy that you can join us. Uh, I'm hemorrhaging cash as we speak. I filled up my gas tank this morning. I had to pay my credit card bill, or at least one of them. And so I'm looking for some some positive vibes, some some chill vibes. Because you get pay- I got paid today, but like I said, the hemorrhaging it makes you feel like you can't spend anything. The chill vibes are especially key yes. because I'm staying in this building as much as possible. I'm not prepared for the heat, and I should be because I know it's June. I don't mean to be That's that true. guy, but we, we need to stay hydrated, everybody. Yeah. Please. We are the type of people that will complain about living in the heat, even though we choose to live in Las Vegas. No, honestly, yep. 100%. We will not pull those punches, but uh, over there is Adrian Hernandez. My name is Lindsey Brown, and joining us in studio for the second day in a row. Dominic Lavoie. Look at you getting so quick on that <laughs> ledge. Just, hi-ya! And what Dominic told me, because I, I asked you when you walked oh, in. Man. I was like, did you watch the hockey game last night? Here we go. He's like, nah, I was sleeping. And so that was about <laughs> 2 p.m. Fraud? Huh? Fraud alert? I, well, just, 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 <laughs> let's, let's, just let, this, let me lay this out for you. So it was around 2 p.m. And then about 30 seconds before we come on the air, I look at him. I go, so if you don't watch the hockey game tonight, what are you going to bring to us? He goes... Uh, I guess just some commentary on some big saves. I'm like, oh, trying to steal my bid, are we? Somebody's more qualified. Didn't feel the need to watch the game. You know what? I'm here to provide the commentary on the goaltending side of the hockey. <laughs> it's a different perspective. You just text That's me and say, you know what? Say. I'm going to show up. What if I say no one of these times? What if What if there's homework involved? We're going to have to do like some stickers, maybe a stamp to just make sure we, we, we take care of our work before we come in. I'd be, I'd be down with that. Yeah. Linz, can we give him some credit, though, because he is our official drip fashion <laughs> expert. I think we can give him that okay, label. Okay, so, so can you, what, what have you, what ensemble have you put uh, together for us today? About fashion and stuff. Well, you're the drip expert? <laughs> you're not, I'm trying to help you. Talk. I say, well, we're, we're just trying to set the boundaries here. I say that um, Jason Tatum's fits during, like, throughout the NBA playoffs have been pretty fire, except for that one, I think it was game seven against the Miami Heat, where he came in. With a double denim outfit with like some purple Jordan sixes, that was pretty questionable. I was asking about like what you were wearing, but that's okay. I, oh. I get that you're a huge fan of Jason Tatum. <laughs> oh, I love him. And the and the white tees, plain and otherwise. But uh, hopefully, we can bestow some hockey knowledge. Or should I say you need to bestow some <laughs> hockey knowledge on me specifically in the goaltending department? But we're not quite ready to open this thing up yet. But in terms of what to expect today, like I said, it is absolutely a Friday edition of the Playmakers. I'm having one of those days where I'm thinking to myself, what do I have to say? Not a whole lot, and so this could devolve pretty quickly, or it's going to be great. So I think, I don't know. So <laughs> NFL stuff, Hunter Renfro, New Deal. We got Ron Rivera making a statement about uh, Jack Del Rio, in case anybody cares. We got group chat gone wild. 
because for some reason people get so hot and bothered about women trying to protect themselves together. I got to highlight that. How dare they? How dare we? Uh, chamber of Chaos for both of you, since uh, you guys are both so settled. Getting into the chamber. I'm down with it. Yep. I'm with it. Let's go. We're going to have a little bit of a walk down historical lanes uh, in, in the second hour. we got some crazy story, stories from uh, the annals of time that you may not have heard of, including the communist anthem that is Louis Louis. Dun, 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 dun. That's a fact. We'll get I'm into that. Very much looking forward to and that. And then we'll look back at it. And if not, we'll, we'll elicit some more expert goaltending opinions from one Mr. Dominic Lavoie. <laughs> Uh, I guess it is time to open this bad boy up. It's time for the can opener. The floor is yours, sir. How oh, about really? the big cat? Oh, he was unreal. And I really, because I, I read the article in the notes, mm. and I was just kind of like reading through and everything. And From Daily Faceoff? Yes, indeed. Yes, mm. indeed. So it was a really back and forth game last night, you know, obviously with Ryan Lindgren just kind of tossing a shot on net and Ramley finds it Risters back for net. your sisters, fellas. I'm telling you, it's you a one-in formula. It's a shot on goal. Facts. Miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's wow. Michael Scott. Came you up know? with that all? Oh, it was Michael Scott. Yeah, right. that was Michael Scott. Mm. Bars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, that kind of opens things up and then Sergachev with an unreal game. Um, he throws one from the point, kind of like Rister for your sister. Exactly, just yep. kind of had eyes, made its way through traffic. Found, Why do those wrist shots find their ways through traffic more often? You um, think? you know, when the goalie doesn't really see the puck, it's kind of weird sometimes. So it's the goalie's fault. Not necessarily, no, but it takes five mistakes before the puck goes in the net. So trust me, it that's probably my takes belief. more. Adrian, are you good over there? Are you trying to rev your engine? No, the wrist. The <laughs> oh. wrist work. It's all oh, about the, the wrist. Oh, the fuck of the wrist. Ha! Oh, the fuck of the wrist. Ha! Yeah, Ryan Strom could have used that last so you night. Think, anyway. Oh yeah. I mean, you're not. I don't. I don't think you're wrong because it, it, there's there's a sneak ability when it comes to those wrist shots because it, I I just think psychologically most people hit puck hard mm-hmm. hard shot get there you know and that's yeah. not how it works it, it, it's it's more about catching the timing um or at least in between the timings of the people directly in front of you trying to block shots and so i think if you can get through that first layer and if you catch and shoot right away those wristers for your sisters um i i just think there's a higher likelihood of getting them through or at least getting into those second layers where if it drops down that rebounds right there yeah and i mean i saw the replay and it like I'm not sure who was cutting across the slot, but it was like a replay from the far end of the ice. Mm. And you could just see it just goes right through the wickets and just finds its way to the net. So that was a pretty goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciated that a lot. And then um, late in the game, uh, I'm not sure exactly the timestamp. This is what I was really going to talk about. Vassy with an unreal save. I don't even know what if you can call it. What kind of save was it? It was, it was a nice little toe save. You nice know, little pushing toe off. save. Pushing um, off. You're but, like Adrian, who's pushing off with the toe save. Yeah, I'm not going to lift up my Can toes to do that. Can you see it in that? your head? <laughs> yes. He was, he was kind of swimming in the blue paint, um, kind of uh, kind of lost himself, and then the puck like went behind the net, yawning cage, pushes off with the right foot, gets it with his toe, um, and that can really energize the team. I'm sure you have that experience. Um, that's what I wrote down in the notes. And that, that's, that's what I was going to ask you about too um, because I've never really like talked to anybody about this. Goalies, like, they're really laser-focused a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously with those big saves, whenever there's, like, that huge save, the bench gets all up in arms. They get, like, really riled up and everything. They get fired up, especially mm-hmm. in a tight, aggressive game like that and how the series has gone. It was very yeah, and that backdoor emotional. toe jam was absolutely one of those saves. Yeah, so as a goalie, do you guys feel those, like, momentum swings? Or are you just so oh, locked yeah. in? You're like, oh, that's just another <laughs> oh, save. Oh, my God, it's like a drug. 
It absolutely is. And and like when I would make those saves where th- there's a difference between making a save that you're supposed to and making a save that you're not supposed to. And then there's even more context that you can that you can go through because you can make a save that you're not supposed to in a manner that's very messy and it was just kind of an accident. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's just because you are so on your mark and you're so good. And I would put, classify that particular save by Vasilevsky in that. But when you make that save, I mean, everybody ma- kind of processes the moment, the internal momentum swings in their own ways because I was always taught, at least later in my career, that I never, I, I couldn't get too high or too low. And so it was more about oh, you made the save, it's in your glove. I'll just like pop the puck out of my glove on the top of it, give it to the ref, do my post to post, and then just move on with the time. Because you have to manage that. And you have to, you know, you almost have to make it seem routine to your team. Mm-hmm. Because their belief in the goaltender is the reason why that they're they're going nuts on that bench. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, the goaltender is kind of like the rock for right. the team. And so and when you make that save, all of a sudden there's this kind of, I think, infusion of this extra belief in this is our time right now Mm -hmm. and so we see a lot of those momentum swings where you'll see a big save and then on the ensuing rush or within the next minute minute and a half two shifts or so that there will be a goal on the other end yeah just like last night exactly and 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 I, I gotta think there's there's one aspect of that added energy and then there's other side of it in terms of like where the Rangers where where there's a depression of energy because mm-hmm. I should have scored right there yeah 99 times out of 100 times that's in the back of the net and we're having trouble finding the back of the net right now for the New York Rangers and so there's a little bit of kind of like oh my god not even that one yeah and so again trying to find the little spaces in between the bodies in front of you if you're trying to get the puck through this is the same thing about getting that ensuing rush on where it's just like all right so we got to go back to the bench we still got two and a half minutes left to get this done and then boom 150 that's where that goal gets scored. Yeah. And, and that's when, happened so many times for the Rangers this uh, playoff where it, they've had a late game comeback, whereas the New York Rangers are more the series comeback kids, mm-hmm. but not in the actual in-game momentum swings. Because if they're not getting power play goals, they're not scoring. Yeah, and it could be because they're so young. Mm-hmm. Like, it, oh, it yeah. takes a little bit to build. The, they're the early. Lightning. They're they've premature to be here. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been there many times before, like we talked about on the show yesterday, podcast, we're on the Odyssey app. Yeah. Um, and... It just takes time to build that up. So it, it's just all about with like the big saves. One team's always going to stand taller than the other team, especially if they're dry for goals like the Rangers are. They're always going to slouch a bit, mm-hmm. slouch a bit more. So, well, and I just don't think like like you said, the Rangers are so inexperienced. They're not able to find the best gear of their game, but they haven't been able to go through the trials and tribulations to develop the other gears that the Tampa Bay Lightning have. Like this is mm-hmm. where that experience over the last couple playoffs where they were obviously cup winners, including that sweep um, to, to the hands of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets a couple of years ago where they realized that I can't just play rush heavy. We can't just have Stammer and, and Kucherov skate up and then take a clap bomb. Like, we have to lay in the weeds a little bit. We got to block shots down. That's why they go out and trade for Ryan McDonough, who has, like, literally the most badass record in hockey now. He last night became the player with the most blocks ever in playoff history. And, like, Minnesota boy, so proud. Like, literally, he, he's a great dude, great family and everything else. But but he is kind of the the encapsulation of of what is necessary at this point of the playoff, which is I will take it off the teeth, I'll get the teeth put back in, and I'll be right back out there to do it again. And hopefully by the end of the game, we're within striking distance, if not even, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna wait for that opportunity. We're gonna wait for that extra breath where you guys, oh, well, it looks like we're going overtime. Are we going to overtime? 
So there's plenty of time left. And that's where that, that discipline, if you watch back like the road to the Stanley Cup or whatever they call it on, on Amazon or wherever it is these days, last couple of years they've obviously spent a lot of time following the Tampa Bay Lightning and John Cooper, their head coach. If you listen to him and what he says in between the locker room or in the locker rooms in between periods, dis- discipline, predictability, unwavering steadiness. That is a hard thing to command of yourselves especially of your opponent who are young and inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think we're running into it. It makes me sad because I, I want the Rangers to go the whole way, personally. But Igor Shosturkin can't just score can't score goals too. Yeah. And so um, game six in Tampa Bay. Saturday t- night. Tomorrow mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Elimination potential. Rangers have been down 3-2 these past two series, kind of yeah. like the Boston Celtics. Like I said, comeback yeah. series kids this year, yeah, for 20, sure. Yeah, 27 comebacks in the regular season. They're 5-0 and in the playoffs when facing elimination. But in this scenario, obviously, because the stakes are higher the further you go along, is this the most dejected that they're gonna that they've been? I don't think they're they didn't seem like as dejected because you had that fight that happened at the end between um Alexis Lafreniere and who and who Steven was and Steven, and Steven Samkos, just the two we would expect to fight each other yeah. at that current juncture. But like they there there's something about capturing the moment. They know that they're not down and up because the two of these games that they've dropped have been in the last minute and a half, besides that four to one loss that they had the other day. And so that's just how it bounces sometimes. So obviously you still have that that belief in yourself, and I don't think it's dejection. I think you have to have almost just persistence that you have to trust this, and you have to find a way to match their energy and 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 to at least give yourself a shot in that third period if you're not able to establish the game that you want, that you're still free and clear enough where you can strike just as quickly. Yeah. Right. And and you need magical performances from Igor Shesterkin. You need Adam Fox to be at his best. You need Chris Kreider getting open in front of the net. They need goals early in the game, mm-hmm. especially on the road. And I think it's almost better that they're on the road because you can si- you can silence an entire arena really quickly. Yeah. But we know how Amelie gets when it's rocking. They mm-hmm. are Tam- a Tampa's one twelve out of their past thirteen home playoff games yeah. within the past two years. Yeah. That's a tall order. And then you're just like, oh well, well we just got to force to game seven. Since Vasilevsky's so chill in Game Seven, like well, he, he doesn't just win; he shuts them out. Yeah. And that's where it's like, I think the longer that the series stretched out, the more I think it favors the Lightning. Um, but I, I also think that the Lightning found themselves a little bit early. I think that was almost kind of a wake-up call after Game One, similar to what the Avalanche went through with the Oilers, where you're like, mm-hmm. "We just gave up six goals, and we scored eight, and we almost lost. We better get it together, guys!" Like they came out super flat in Game One, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they've been lights out ever since. Well, to me, that that's been the most fascinating thing because you think of it: Tampa faces Florida, the Panthers, this offense that in the yep. regular season was dominant. Yep. And what did they play give our up? way? Three or four goals in that series. Mm-hmm. First two games of the series, in this series against the Rangers, they give up nine goals. And then I think what everyone expected was last night where it was such a close game. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's like a feel-out process, right? These first two games of getting used to the play styles of each other and it kind of calmed down as the series has progressed. Yeah, I guess like you have that feeling-out process, but then you have to remember like these games count just as much as they do later on in the series. It's kind of like saying, well, the games early in baseball season don't matter as much. Well, yeah. they don't. They don't matter as long as the. If you keep losing, they're not going to matter. If and, and that's where there's been a huge shift in each one of these games, and 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 the and the Rangers have been able to most of the time not dominate, but at least be in control of that puck and and have 
you know, chances and stuff like that. They're just not executing. They're just not able to finish. And and some of that is the Tampa Bay Lightning getting in their getting in their business, getting in shooting lanes, and then just barely tipping it off. And so you don't have all these positive reinforcement kind of moments where tape to tape, good shot, where it's you get that positive feedback. A lot of turnovers too. Twenty six turnovers. Well, last game and they're for the trying majors. to play. And if they keep trying to play rush heavy, it's just they got to be able to grind down the the Lightning a little bit more. And I don't even know if that's enough because you can grind on the team in front, but that's not grinding down the goalie. Mm-hmm. Sorry for my ignorance, though. Okay. Isn't that 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 grinding down? Isn't that kind of what the Lightning are trying to do? Yeah, but that's where it's like you can try. Whose zone are you spending time in, right? Because because yeah. if if they're spending a lot of time in Tampa Bay's defensive zone, but you're just you're not you're you're staying to the outside, you're keeping the pucks up top, they're getting blocked and stuff. You're not doing jack squat now. If you're getting it below. The, the face-off dots, if you're grinding that down, now that's where you're forcing their their team to go below that goal line, to to grind along the boards, to play that hard style. And then it's a 50-50 proposition. That's how it works. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are winning more 50-50 battles right now. And they're forcing the Rangers right. to react right. instead so, of dictate. That's what I, mean. I, I almost think there needs to be a, like a recommitment to that, that 50-50 battle grind from the get-go from the Rangers because – they waste so much time trying to get to where they want instead of going to where they need. Chop Makes you? sense. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Brian Strome, well, by I the don't way. Thank Dominic. Dom? <laughs> thank Dominic. We appreciate for your goalie expertise. Uh, I also feel so bad for Ryan Strome today. Why? For missing that back door. It was well, like I, a. I've, everybody misses 10,000 back doors. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's a bang bang play that happens a million times during practice and games. It's just unfortunate that it was back door wide open. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Them's the bounces. That's playoff hockey, and uh, that's the way it will go Saturday. I think it's 8 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Eastern time, so 5 p.m. here, Tampa Bay, New York Rangers. All right, let's move on with our time because the expertise is just – it's the ego is too big in this room. So we got to talk some NFL, Hunter Renfro, and backing up that big statement. 1140 the bet. Jiggy Buzz, follow Rob Winkle. I'm beginning to feel like a rap god, rap god. All my people from the front to the back, nah, back, nah. Now, who thinks that arms are long enough to slap box, slap box? They said I rap like a robot, so call me rap box. But for me to rap like a computer... Adrian Hernandez and Lindsey Brown, the Playmakers, exclusively on 1140 The Bet. Dominic Lavoie also here with us as well for the second day in a row. What of a deal has been made about the haircuts, or I should say the pay cuts taken or or at least considered by some of the big names on your Las Vegas Raiders by like the the likes of Derek Carr and Darren Waller and even Devontae Adams and and the reasoning why is they want to make sure that we have a very solid core here not just a, a couple of players who are paid a lot of money and really taken away from the rest of the team so Hunter Renfro has benefited from this because today he agreed to sign a two-year deal with your Las Vegas Raiders, $32 million worth. 21 of that is guaranteed. And third downs will never be the same. <laughs> but uh, a very worthy extension, I feel. And I, th- I feel like we haven't really seen Hunter Renfro as as a full fully used asset in this offense yet. And so I'm, very, I'm really interested to see how um, Josh McDaniels and uh, the other peeps implement him well and we know josh mcdaniel's history with slot receivers so i love him and and to me first off you hit the nail on the head so i'll start off with this hey golden knights organization 
uh, your neighbors down the street on the strip, do you notice how they rewarded their players in the short term is good business and for the future, how that's going to help them and how you treat your core and you build a core? And that's another thing. There's a three. It's the three year window now. You got Chandler Jones, you got Max Crosby, you got Derek Carr, Renfro, and Devontae Adams. The only one left to get paid now is Darren Waller. But to know that, hey, this is our core, and now it is, on the flip side, it's a lot of pressure. It's a three-year window, and not only that, we're in the toughest division in football Mm -hmm. where every game is going to matter. And I know we always say that. It's a game of inches and everything. But, no, in all reality, at at least for this year, every game is going to matter. But – you're talking about unlocking Hunter Renfro. There's nothing better than putting him alongside one of the best wide receivers in the league and on the flip side having him and one of the best tight ends in Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. So the future's bright and to get him on this like on this price range at this is, point of his career too. Yeah, is is huge. Like look, Wasn't all these he like wide a third re- round pick though? Second, third fourth round third pick? Day. Third, third day. day. Third day. Third day. So he he's that's he's quite the extension for one, Mister Renfro. But when you look at all these wide receivers and some of these deals, like I, I I tweeted this out earlier, Christian Kirk last year had 982 yards and five touchdowns. He got 79.5 million over the next four years. Hunter Renfro was not only a Pro Bowler, over a thousand yards receiving, over nine touchdowns this year. We got him at 34.5 million over the next 3 years. Last year he had the second highest single season total by a receiver in franchise history. So it's not just like what you're doing in relativity to your peers, but in terms of this organization as well. And so a very important piece of the offense locked, loaded, ready to go. The slot machine's a crazy nickname. I love that. Yeah, that is that is a pretty good one. Um statement from head coach Ron Rivera on behalf of the Washington Commanders. This morning, I met with Coach Del Rio to express how disappointed I am in his comments on Wednesday. His comments do not reflect the organization's views and are extremely hurtful to our great community here in the DMV. As we saw last night in the hearings, oh, some people caught that, uh, what happened in the Capitol on January 6, 2021 was an act of domestic terrorism. A group of citizens attempted to overturn the results of a free and fair election. As a result, lives were lost and the Capitol building was damaged. Coach Del Rio did apologize for his comments on Wednesday. And he understands the distinction, apparently, between the events of that dark day and peaceful protests, which are a hallmark of our democracy. He does have the right to voice his own opinion as a citizen of the United States, and it is most certainly in his constitutional right to do so. However, words have consequences, and his words hurt a lot of people in our community. I want to make sure that our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6th who sought to topple our government. After reflecting on the situation and circumstances, I've decided to fine Coach Del Rio $100,000, which the team will donate to the United States Capitol Police Memorial Fund. I feel strongly that after our conversation this morning, he will have a greater understanding for his impact of his language and the values that our team stands for. Wow, Ron Rivera, just fixing everything. What a what a complete wow. one eighty turn from. <laughs> you know that conversation. It's going to change a lot, right? Because Ron's going to change a lot of hearts and minds in that one conversation. That all powerful man. I do. Do you think this is basically like these were strong words that were said in this statement? And they weren't said; they were written. Written, yes. And they were released on Twitter. Yes, thank you. Um, but the hundred K fine that came directly, apparently, from Ron Rivera. 
This is basically like, hey, don't comment on anything politically going forward or you're getting fired. Right. Is that the tone that came from it? Yeah. Basically, I I don't want to fire you, but I need to do something. And honestly, I'm like, if I were if I were Delray, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to go myself. Because I, I maybe I'm just not meant to be in this you know particular sphere at this stage of my life right now because I just this is a this is a wrist slap not even hundred k yeah he makes uh, Jack Del Rio makes three point five million dollars so this is two point eight five percent of his salary and he was a coach before and he was a player before that and I'm sure he has friends that have invested and I'm sure he has you know all these other things and that's where it's like this is the accountability stuff. Nobody, nobody ever actually takes it. Nobody ever, and, and who, who am I to say what true accountability is? That's why I'm like, probably don't put yourself in the situation where you, where it's basically an unfixable thing. Because I don't know where the, not that it truly matters because it's about, about how you make people feel, but what about the stadium thing? You know, we, we heard from, from members of, of the Virginia government. They said they don't want to talk. I, I haven't heard anything updated about that. But this is where it's just like, yeah, the commanders, well, the commanders, I, I'm going to trust them to to self-police that well, organization. The bigger impact, the surprise of why they didn't fire him is you cost us essentially our stadium location and this land that we bought. And he's that and he's that valuable, apparently. You're right. Yeah, yeah, Jack insane. Del Rio's genius Well, the <laughs> is worth keeping around. The thing is, is that like. Yo, commanders, you're not supposed to have this philosophy if you're in the front office or part of this organization, but it's not like you guys are Super Bowl contenders. So, yes, it would be an inconvenience. Training camp is about to start. You got less than a month. Mandatory minicamp's going on right now as we speak. But to let go of him, what are you really, really losing? No matter convenience. how. True. And and it's like, yeah, Ron Rivera's statements, like those, those were strong. I don't know if they have a Matt Patricia in there that they could, you know, promote to the opposite side of the ball that he is used to coaching because that if you think about it that's kind of the decision they're making because it, it, it not, I don't think they always look at it as big of a moral quandary as we do because we're we're on the outside we're like how there has to be other football coaches right but the but players clearly, but but that exactly the point exactly the point they don't matter but in this era I think it's changed as it opposed has. to in the 90s and some or- organizations haven't and every and the longer they take, the more wrong decisions, the 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 more they drag their feet, the more they tell us exactly who they are. And this is where it, like the commanders are are such an such a case study in in this hyper PR aware culture in sports, especially in the NFL. Because trust me, they're not the only organization that has issues, but. It, let's just say if we had a heat map of where it's coming out and where all the teams are located, a lot of it's coming out of the greater D.C. area. Constantly. Constantly. Every other and day. And we ain't done. And again, I, I like to take a longer view of this because there's a reason why those Gruden emails were released. And I'm not here to talk about John Gruden in terms of like how who he is as a moral person. But there's a reason why this is still allowed to happen. Because what happens if we let Del Rio go? What happens if we... Say, Dan Snyder, you're done. What happens when we start checking under the hood? We're going to find more. And that's not a sustainable business model. So at least we'll let this guy stay where he is. He'll be the model racist, essentially, right? Allegedly.
at least we get we put him in a box. Now we've pacified him and 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 we've told him and we and we find him. So we'll get the the pitchforks off the back, and we'll still have somebody that we can blame it on. And that's what a lot of people are saying. Why so many coaches just go to Washington in general is where they know they have a shield because of how dysfunctional Dan Snyder is. I'll just go collect my check. And that's the problem. We got people who are just there to collect the check, whether that's in the NFL, it's at the college level, like we talked about last week, whether that's in our government, any of that stuff. People are in there to collect checks when their job description is something different and they're willing to stay loyal to the survivability of that check being mailed to their address. And it's also not a situation where this is out of nowhere or some undercover and this is the first time that look on his Twitter feed. This is behavior. These are thoughts that he's had, which to me. Well, how many other guys are just like him? And same, that's what I mean. That's checking under the hood. Because if, if we say this is wrong, then this guy's wrong. This guy's wrong. This guy's wrong. This guy's wrong. And if we're all wrong, are we the bad guys? No, we're not. We can pay to not be the bad guys. No, Lindsay, we're not. Here's your preseason schedule. <gasps> go right. take go oh, take look. a look at this. Two weeks later, draft. <gasps> oh, look. We got to sign them all. And that that's the great wheel of it, too. The schedule, the the ever-present nature of the NFL is to always have something going on conveniently, whether there's a distraction or or something more insidious afoot. I just, I don't, I don't under, I just, it's very hard for me to believe that the commander's locker room is going to think this is all good or that a, hey, I'm the defensive coordinator. Let me have a meeting with all the defensive guys. Let me explain myself. And let me apologize. Let me do the no tap in person in front of them. Well, well, let's ask the Jacksonville Jaguars players last year. They had to play under Urban for how many weeks? Right? They don't care because when you're when you're in upper or middle management, technically you're you're the anointed one. Until quarterback guy starts hitting the gavel, and as you said, they're not going anywhere fast. Alex Smith left. I can't even name besides Chase Young somebody else on this team. Carson Wentz. He's the guy to. You know, leader. I bet he has a different stance. Oh boy! And it's you brought up John Gruden to think of the fact that in our in our recent memory, in terms of the Raiders' history, like Jack Del Rio and John Gruden, these were the guys at the helm. Yep, that's the culture that has been instilled here for the better part of the last fifteen years. Hell, Gruden's brother was over there. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Jay Gruden. That, why do you think they're emailing him back and forth? Yeah. And, where, and guess what? He probably has a job somewhere else because they all just keep hiring each other's kids and each other's, you know, everybody else. Like, they, it's all recycled, right? You think there was any shared space between him and the Shanahan's? Perhaps. How many circles does the Shanahan's run in with, right? Oh, the McVeigh. Like, literally, it's everywhere. And that's the scary part about corruption. That's the scary part about trauma. It's the scary part about everything because nobody is, quote, unquote, clean. But some people care if they're dirty or not. And the NFL doesn't. Most of the NFL doesn't because they can pay. And it's unfortunate, this situation of him keeping his job. Yeah. What is it? That's what I mean. There's no – it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, but the, the fact my, – my thing is, is that the fact that him keeping his job is easier in terms of noise than if he gets fired. <laughs> and kind of the backlash, well, what's Jack going to respond with? What is the people that support Jack and think that some of his comments and, and, and agree with him? Because there's tons. Right. This is, this is the thing that baffles my mind. To me, just from a purely business aspect, right. if I do something that costs this building 
a huge opportunity. One sales deal. One big sales deal, which is not even close to the magnitude of what we're, we're talking about. And we're talking about a, a new stadium and how many billions of dollars, not only to build, but what that brings and what you can, what Jobs, can contain. Tax exemptions, yeah. all this other stuff, businesses. Yeah. And that's what you, you, you kind of put the, it was questionable. We didn't know it was a, it was a 50, 50 from what I read about whether, you know, they were going to agree with it or help out or not. No, you, you put the knife in the middle of it and said, nah, absolutely not. Do you know the, what this feels like to me? Do you remember like, in the weeks after, I don't know, times a social construct where everybody was saying, well, are you non-racist or are you anti-racist? Right? Do you guys remember that distinction? Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Non being like, well, that's not how I feel. And, and we just kind of let go because it, there's, a, there's another side to every story, right? Versus anti, this is not okay. We must expel this, whatever this is, away from us, whatever the collective us is, because it is not allowed. Non implies complicity. Anti implies expulsion. And with all these things, like it's key. I mean, we talked about it earlier with the Deshaun Watson yep. and kind of it, whether it's an enabler or to think that some of these things are okay. And to m- more importantly, are we non misogynist or are we anti misogynist? <laughs> if you're not involved in the situation, and we'll, and I'll probably mention this again in, in our next topic when we get into these group chats and what's going on oh, yeah. with females trying to protect each other is if you are not a part of it and you have a voice, you have to use that. If everyone, if our goal, which and it's unfortunate to say because not everyone's goal is to get everyone on a level playing field. Facts. That is that is a big deal. If your goal is to get everyone on the living playing field so that we are all treated fairly and we all have the same opportunities like we're supposed to in this country. And consequences. Yes. All of it. Not just that. We always talk about the opportunities, but we don't talk about the consequences. Yeah. You have to you have to use your voice. You have Mm -hmm. to speak out, which is why if if Jack Del Rio ends up getting fired in week three or week four, I wouldn't be surprised. I also, but then only for his incompetence in the way that he does his job, not for, for maybe, the person he is. I feel disappointed because now Which I'm like, well, wait, what it is? Wait a minute, who's his owner? He might still stay on board because Dan Snyder is like, eh, I don't want to lose three million dollars if we fire him. We have to pay him. Like this type of world, despite anything that he did, it's just a matter of we don't want to pay him immediately right now. We'd rather pay it out over time. So our budget. Whatever are the still... most convenient option is, yeah. not the right option, not the not the most fair option, but. We don't go to the world of sports for examples of fairness, justice, and just overall role models. But that's okay. We'll find them some other place. Let's try to find them probably in, uh, yeah, in some co-ed college gal pals. We'll get more of that on the other side of the break. Love for the bet. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lindsey Brown and Adrian Hernandez. The Playmakers. Exclusively on 1140 The Bet. I can't speak for either of you two, but... 
just in terms of the playmakers and, and myself, I am very pro-union. You guys don't have to share where you are at that, but if you want to, that's totally fine. But I'm, I'm very pro-union because ultimately, I think you got to have eyes and ears on as many things as possible and you never know what's going on. And so you got to communicate, you got to bond together and, and, and use that strength to your advantage because there's a lot of disadvantages placed in front of all of us in one way, shape, or form. Amazon might hate to hear it, but Lindsay, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm pro-union too. Yep. Me as well. Starbucks hates us as well. Most <laughs> corporations that make a lot of money uh, are probably not super happy with us, but that's okay because we're not here to serve them. We are not here to serve them. But the union, the concept of of the banding together of like-minded individuals for, for, a, for better treatment, for better resource, for whatever, it, it's not just reserved for the pros, guys. It's not just reserved for sports. It's not just reserved for... You know, just any specific type of people. We even got it in our college ranks. How about this whole union? I'm not sure what school this is at, but this was kind of uh, blew up on Twitter yesterday, and I found it a a little bit more of an expanded thing on BuzzFeed. I'm going to read this because there's a series called Am I the A-Hole? And and people basically explain the situation, and then people vote weigh in on it, right? One of the best Reddits. A-I-T-A. Mm-hmm. That's how we do it. So A-I-T-A for organizing a, quote, whole union of girls in my college. I read, okay, I know this sounds silly as hell, but it seriously got some people angry with me. I'm in college. And- I'm in a college organization that is also big on partying. It can be fun, but sadly, it can also be risky. Most of my friends and I have had bad experiences. And kind of as a joke, I said to my friends that we should unionize. But they were 100% in on the idea, so we started a whole union. We drew up a list saying we'd collectively skip or leave any party that, and here are the bullet points, let in or was hosted by a person who had sexually harassed any of us or anyone else, didn't let girls mix their own drinks or pick and open their own beers, was racist, homophobic, fatphobic, otherwise bigoted about who they let in or were respectful of at the party, tried to enforce a ratio of girls to guys, if the hosts had a reputation or, uh, or pushing freshmen or inexperienced drinkers to drink heavily. And the six of us stuck to it when we went to parties and the stuff was off. We'd send a group chat message and then we would just leave to another, for another party and go to someone else's apartment. It sounds like a very... Um, safe way to go about the college experience. Uh, the buddy system was something that was taught to me from uh, high school age about how to approach these. Just as a woman, you got to make sure you got to have somebody with you in case somebody starts to get handsy. You need backup. You got keys between the fingers. All these things. But this is this is like you know revolutionary a more stuff. Organized, a group, a yeah. group message. I mean, that's 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 pretty next level stuff. Um, the frat guys were not a huge fan of this. And eventually someone reported this, quote, whole union to a school counselor. So this girl gets called in and accused of leading a group of ostracized people. (laughs) And they got involved. And so essentially, I I just, I find it hilarious that they basically started interrogating this girl about leading this this group of friends in a group message about trying to protect themselves from predatory behavior while partying. It's ridiculous. I bet they're not the only school with this problem. Most colleges have this problem. Most people? Yeah, but we know that colleges are are a specific like breeding ground for predat- for sexual predators, for people trying to roofie people, for people trying to I mean there's just how many how many times a week do you go on Twitter and find and hear about some fraternity party where a kid 
drank a whole bottle of vodka and now he's brain dead. Or even here in Vegas, just going out Fremont There's Street that. or wherever. Moderation really isn't key. Isn't really a key thing for that age group or that demographic. Lindsay, could you imagine if the energy spent on protecting people or if energy was spent on protecting people instead of people trying to fight this or tell on themselves is what I like mm. to call it when they try to do a rebuttal. Sometimes because this, yeah, this happens a lot. It, it happens a lot. Sometimes I think about the energy and where I could put it if I didn't have to worry about a bunch of the stuff that I have to worry about as a woman or whatever else. And I'm sure, Dominic, you're, you're similar mm-hmm. in that. Um, but I'll also, what bothers me about just our society in general is that we put the onus on women to not be sexually assaulted and raped, even though we're the ones that are usually having that inflicted on us. So, like, Dominic, I haven't been in college for a few years. What You're in a frat. Mm-hmm. Is this still happening? Are you are you someone that calls us out and put you on the spot right now? Like if you see if you see guys, is it just kind of like a bro it up thing? Like, no. Or, or actually, are people a lot more aware and a lot more cognizant of like what's going on around them? At least in my fraternity, we're way more cognizant. I mean, we have like this whole thing where we have like health and security. Multiple people at parties going around like they stay sober and they just look for stuff. Hmm. They see something, they're like, hey, like. Get out. As soon as they see something weird, as soon as they see two people arguing, they just say like, "Hey, either figure it out or get out." It's and they always. It's not like to be sex like sexist or anything. They always go to the guy mm-hmm. because rationally thinking, it's mostly the dude. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought about with this whole quote unquote ho union thing. And there's those at UNLV. I don't mean to like out yeah. people like that, but oh, they're everywhere. It's Greek the bros, life. Yeah, it's Greek life. Every sorority. They always look out for each other. They all have their group chats with all their sisters and everything. Mm -hmm. And it still exists. And I'm not going to name fraternities, but I've heard stories Mm -hmm. within the last year of stuff like that happening and girls not wanting to go around. I've heard stories from not going to name teams, athletic teams at UNLV, where stuff like that happens. Those are their own types of fraternity slash sororities. And... When I was trying to find myself, I went to a bunch of different parties on campus just mm-hmm. trying to find people to hang out with. And I've seen some of that. And I was like, okay, see ya. I'm not being a part of this. I don't right. want to be wrapped up in it as selfish as that sounds. And I don't want it weighing on my conscience. And I don't want to be more of a minority than I already am mm-hmm. trying to be like, hey, like, that's not cool. Like, I always go go back to this whenever I t- uh, talk about a touchy subject about women. I was raised by two single mothers essentially mm-hmm. i was raised you see women as full fully formed human beings. yeah and you wouldn't I have, be in here if you didn't yeah and i have a lot of respect for women and mm-hmm. you know whenever i see stuff like that it always it just always makes me uncomfortable and it confuses me just as it confuses adrian it confuses you like why are people trying to destroy this instead of focusing on the real problem of why it was created you know what makes me sad do you know who drewski is yeah. He's a he Mm-mm. he's a comedian. He's gone viral. He hangs out with Jack Harlow. Uh, anyway, okay. he he does a lot of he, he makes a lot of viral videos and kind of just in the world of things that are uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes they're not even that funny. One of them that he did is he's like, avoid these type of dudes at parties. And throughout the skit, it's him showing like the creepy dudes like, no, no, yeah, yeah. Take a drink. Take a drink. And he tosses it out and make sure that the girl yeah. drinks it. That video caused so much backlash that he had to delete it off of Instagram. It is 2022. How many, how many guys are saying, you're giving away the playbook, bro? You're giving up the playbook. Or, like, or we're talking about predatory 
behaviors. We're talking about people that are purposefully going out and looking for something and they're not going to take no for an answer. And they're going to make sure that they get it in whatever capacity they can. And being drunk is an excuse for that either. Be responsible. No. No, you're responsible for your own actions regardless of what substances you were on. Exactly. Plenty of people that are fully drunk right now, not touching anybody else, not not doing anything else, just sitting there. Mm -hmm. I just... Like you said, in terms of we're going to go after this group, I almost wonder if it's like, well, we know this is something that we can fix and address because they're, they've organized. How can I solve sexual assault in college? This particular college, this particular grade, this particular weekend. It's it's like, it's on, it's an almost unsolvable problem because it's, it's the, what we're raised in, right? And so that's why it's about self-awareness. It's about anti versus non. And it's about seeing people as fully human beings, no matter what they look like, where they are, who you might associate them with. The other side of the break, sports and other things. Chamber of Chaos coming right up. Love for the bet.